All right, go sit, sit down. They don't give you much time in chapel. So I'm sitting there going, all right, that's enough, Scott. Thank you. Appreciate it. Dr. Hagen is an amazing leader and um, has led this institution through its most difficult times in its history. And I think we should honor Dr. Hagen, our president here at North Central. Honestly, you, um, you have no idea what he's walking through. You don't. Okay. Title of my message today is this How a God Dream Grows. How a God Dream Grows. Today we're going to see how a God grows a dream in you. In a few moments, I'm going to give you five ways that he does that. But what brought you to NCU? I mean, what's the, the, the draw, the dream? What is it, the, the tug? And I'm not just talking to students right now. I'm talking to faculty and staff as well. What brought you here? Dreams have a process. In the beginning, we think it's for self. But the process refines us, and eventually our dream will benefit others. Today, we're going to see this in the life of Joseph. In Genesis chapter 37, of course, Joseph is this incredible figure who covers many chapters in Genesis. And Joseph, of course, is born as one of the youngest of many children who have different mothers. He's kind of overlooked, and then he's brought into this story where his dad actually liked him above all the other siblings. They didn't like that, and of course... Eventually, that leads to a point in time when God gives him dreams. He shares his dream. We'll read about it in a moment. And as he shares his dream, his brothers don't like it. They sell him into slavery. He ends up in the country of Egypt, serving in the household of a guy named Potiphar, who's a very important individual in the entire nation. He rises to the top, learns a lot in Potiphar's household, gets... Uh, accused of something he did not do, thrown into prison, and then eventually at the end of the story, God calls him out of prison to lead the whole world out of a famine. So I'll just look at the beginning of his story. It says, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field and tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. And his brothers responded, So, you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon, Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. How a God dream grows, the first thing I want to show you is this. It starts with God and with you. In the very beginning of things, God actually shapes you, forms you. Psalm 139 talks about being in your mother's womb, and there's a whole destiny wrapped up in those moments before you were ever born. It's important for this generation of all generations to hear me say that, 
Because after you're born, there's a whole lot of other things that have happened to you. And actually, God's dreams precede whatever trauma you've gone through. His dreams are actually before you've made your mistakes. His dreams precede all of that. And on top of that, his dreams are there wherever you think conception began, or where the birth and the life begins. Is it at conception or is it later on? I'm just telling you this. God was there when you were inside your mama. And if God was there shaping something, I don't care what anybody in the rest of the world wants to tell me, there's the design for every human life. Turn to the person next to you and say, you matter. So ultimately, your dream starts with God. Your purpose is from him. At first, Joseph sees himself as the beneficiary of the dream. Verse 6, listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying the bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundles stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Now this seems egotistical, doesn't it? Yours are going to bow low before me. But listen, this is human nature. If I were to do a group photo with you right now, maybe you go to a restaurant and everybody gathers around and the server takes the photo of the group. And you get to look at the picture. Who's the first person you look for in the picture? It's human nature. We think about ourselves first. And when it comes to our dreams, we see ourselves in the dream. Joseph sees himself as the beneficiary of the dream. Many of us begin a journey at a school like North Central in our degree program, or we get married, or whatever it is, and we start off and we think of the benefits for our self. How we're going to rise in the ranks of business. How we're going to change the world. How we're going to be the ones that are trending. Everybody's going to talk about us and what we did. Here's my thought. We all start off thinking about how our decisions will benefit us, but God is patient with us. He gives us talents and desires and dreams, even though we don't get it at first. He is playing the long game with you. He's into checkers. Not, he's not into checkers. He's into chess. How a God dream grows, number two, God uses resistance to move us toward the dream. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing, and then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of, of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum and balm and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. And instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. He's betrayed by his brothers. Anybody here got some family drama back at home? 
And you look at everybody else and you think they got the perfect family. But you even think of a person and anger grows in your heart. Joseph goes through a moment where his brothers turn him in. He would have been killed if it weren't for two of his brothers. Reuben and Judah kind of saved the day, but kind of saved the day. Still threw him, sold him into slavery. He's betrayed. What do you do with the offenses in your life? The people who offend you cause you hurt and pain and injustice. Gossip in families is still gossip. If you're going to follow the building of the dream, the way God does it, he's going to take you through the road of offense. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get betrayed. And it's going to require forgiveness and release of other people to their destiny, even if they're different than yours. Genesis 39. Now he's moving into a new surrounding. He's in Potiphar's house. And it says, from this day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. And the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. And all his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. You see the development of the skill sets on the job where he is. He might not have chosen to be in Potiphar's household, but you see that in this space, new surroundings offer new opportunities. It's not necessarily something he would have chosen but it provided opportunity. There is opportunity in your trouble. Even if you didn't choose to be in the situation, in the family you came from, the financial situation that you're in right now, if you're a teacher, the department and the load that you're carrying, you might not have chosen this, but let me tell you, there's opportunity in front of you right now. And how you handle your present role determines whether or not you will receive promotion. That's what Jesus says. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So that doesn't begin when you get the job. It starts where you are right now. It matters whether or not you slash and dash. He's watching you. I want you to think about integrity. I've got a picture of a bridge. That picture is of a suspension bridge that's long and takes a lot of work and engineering and study. But integrity, let me give you a definition in this terms for integrity. Integrity is the capacity to hold the traffic of your dreams. See, if you're building all of the, the, the infrastructure right now in your life, it should be able to hold the traffic of your big dream down the road. If you want to have a family, then you've got to have the disciplines that are going to be required when you're holding a career down and burping babies and changing poopy diapers and not sleeping at night. Come on, somebody. Let's, you're feeling me. 
Integrity is that capacity to hold the traffic of your dreams. Those disciplines, those competencies, the follow-through. I remember uh, a previous president, Dr. Gordon Anderson, was a professor of mine when I was a student here. And at the beginning of every semester, he would go through the syllabus, and then he would go through the dates that things are due, papers are due, that kind of thing. And then he would get to the spot. He said, notice the date. And he said, notice that the word next to it is not spelled D-O, it's spelled D-U-E. In other words, you're supposed to do the work before then and turn it in on that date, not do your paper on that date. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are developing faithfulness in the quiet. And can I encourage you in this generation to chase faithfulness over fame? Don't try to get noticed now. Work on your faithfulness now. And when you do, it doesn't mean everything is going to go great. You think, you know, Joseph's got a dream, and his dream took him all the way into slavery. And he might be thinking, I am so far away from my dreams. But no, he gets to a new space. God begins to give him favor in that space. And eventually, his success causes him resistance. Look what it says in Genesis 39. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. This is one of those integrity moments. And he passed the test. What if he didn't pass the test? Would anybody have known? He was expected to do it. He was the slave of this woman. But God was watching him. And let me tell you this. No matter where you go, there is always a boss, a supervisor, a power greater than the one you work for. His name is Jesus. God is the superintendent of the construction project of your dreams. And he's watching how you're handling this one little project here to determine whether or not he's going to give you the larger responsibility with more traffic on the bridge of your dreams. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her, so he took her and Joseph, so he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. How a God dream grows, number three. Delay often means God is preparing other parts of the dream. You know, if I'm Joseph, you're Joseph, you're now one step removed. And by the way, Potiphar knew that he did not do anything. His wife probably did this with others. If Potiphar thought that Joseph had actually done something to his wife, he would have had him killed. So it was the mercy of God that actually brought him to prison instead of the cemetery. Okay? So he ends up in prison. And while he's in prison, 
Anybody here want to go to prison? Now, I don't think Joseph did either. But here he is, and he's in prison, and once again, new surroundings offer new opportunities. And he makes the most of his prison, his dorm room. He makes the most of his season of time. And as he does, he begins to exercise some of his skills. The administrative skills come to the forefront again. And by the way, if you can only be successful in one organization and your skill set can't be transferable, you got some growing to do. If you need the perfect circumstances to be the perfect person, then you got some working to do. You should be able to work in difficult circumstances under other people. That's a part of adaptability and leadership and growth and development. That's exactly what Joseph was going through. He was developing. If you can only work through with people that like you, then you'll only be with people that like you. But if you want to reach people that are beyond the scope of people that like you, then you've got to learn how to work with them. He's in prison, and he's learning to work, and he uses some old skit. God had given him dreams. He had supernatural gifts to dream. And as he dreams, that's awesome. Those are dreams for himself. But now other people are dreaming, and he expands his spiritual gifts to interpret other people's dreams. Because he doesn't go to church for himself anymore. He goes to church to hear what God wants to do in somebody else. Yeah, I'm starting to preach up on you now. <laughs> Joseph is in prison. He's delayed. But sometimes the delay isn't about you. You're making the most of the moment that you're in. But in reality, that next part of the step of the journey, to move closer to the dream, other characters, other Parts of that dream aren't ready for that moment. They're not ready. The people aren't ready. In Joseph's case, the rest of the world isn't ready. Pharaoh's not ready. The people that are going to interpret the dream for him, or he's going to interpret the dreams for, they haven't dreamed yet. So he's got to sit still in prison and make the most of that opportunity. Sometimes when you see everybody else get promoted, get into the dream that they want, they get married, they find the girl, they find the guy, chill out, baby. If you get too antsy and too anxious, you might lower yourself below God's dream for your life. When I was a student at North Central University, there were a lot of options. Okay? But God had a perfect one for me, who was not yet a student at North Central University. So while I was a youth leader at Emmanuel, a volunteer, making the most of prison, God was working on Jody. I'm so thankful that Jody didn't lower herself. Because one of the guys I played basketball with here at North Central took her out on a date. And if she had ended up with that guy, I wouldn't be the pastor of Emmanuel today. Because she's the secret to my success. Come on, somebody. I want give, to give honor to whom honor is due in my wife. You have no idea... Why you're in the waiting room. 
You have no idea why now is not the time. And other people, it's their time. Let them have their time. And you stay true to what God has called you to do and be. Let me give you a definition of success. Write this down. Tweet it if you want. Accomplishing, definition of success is accomplishing God's goals in God's timing. Accomplishing God's goals in God's timing. But I want it now. Yeah, well, he hasn't asked you to pick up that cross yet. Pick up the cross he's asked you to pick up now, and you are successful. Joseph wasn't ready for the dream, but neither was the world. So in the meantime, he became the best prisoner ever. And of course, he interprets the dreams of the cupbearer, the baker. And eventually that leads him to the next stage. And this is the fourth part of how a God dream grows. There is purpose to the moment of promotion. There is purpose to the moment of promotion. All the experience of Joseph's journey led to a moment where he could not have visualized as a young man. Overnight, he is thrust from the prison to the palace. He interprets Pharaoh's dream, and he's entrusted with the whole nation. Joseph's suggestions, it says in Genesis 41, were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. See, the timing wasn't right, but now the timing was because there was a famine coming, and Joseph was prepared for the moment. He had the administrative skills he had worked on for a couple of decades. He had the capacity to know what to do and to work with people who spoke different languages. People that were thrown into prison, people that were in a different land. And he was prepared for a moment to rescue the entire world that was about to go into a famine, including his family members back up in Palestine and Israel. He was going to be able to be a part of rescuing and restoring others. Now God's dream would benefit the whole world, not just Joseph. And it brings restoration not only to the whole world, but to his family. People who have been rejected, wounded, separated, and live in dis- disconnection, li- li- let me hear, let, hear me say this to you. Ultimately, the love of God will restore broken relationships if you stay true and you do not give up. He removes the yeah but of our hearts. I know that there are people in all of our stories that we're separated from. In Joseph's story, we see an incredible tale of forgiveness, restoration, and purpose. And eventually, Joseph's dad, his brothers... All are rescued. And his brothers are afraid that once their dad dies, because all of them had moved to Egypt and they were living in Goshen, and and they're afraid, well, maybe Joseph's going to kill us now. So even later on, they're afraid that he still has bitterness in his heart. 
And this is what he says. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. It was all woven together for the good. Would you stand with me today? I'll give you the final point here in just a second. May it be said of those of us who follow Jesus and we pursue his dreams for our life, that our ultimate dream is what God does benefits others and not just ourselves. Amen? So let me give you the fifth one. Ultimately, a God dream outlives us. Ultimately, a God dream outlives us. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty two, it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. In other words, his dream had come true, but he kept dreaming. And his dream outlived himself. 400 years later, in fact, it says in Exodus 12, 20, 12 uh, 40, the people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all of the Lord's forces left the land. Later on, Joshua says, the bones of Joseph, which the Israelites had brought along with them when they left Egypt. In other words, he had vision that outlived him and we keep going. And it was so strong that when he died, his ultimate success had not been yet realized. Listen, you and I can continue to dream throughout our entire lives if we trust the giver of the dream. And we are committed to his promise that even if we don't fulfill everything that we think we should, what we set in motion will outlive us. Amen? God's not done dreaming through you. I'm going to conclude with a prayer, and then these altars can be open here today. But I want you to just put your hands like this. Keep your eyes open. I want you to visualize your dream in your hands, your life. And I'm not just talking about your career, vocational dream. I'm talking about family dreams. Maybe it's restoration of broken relationships. Perhaps it's about getting married and having kids, and you want to do it different than your family did it, your parents did it. Maybe it's whatever. Maybe in the vocational side of things, you got a dream to change classrooms and to be with kids and, you know, the dysfunctional world that we live in, that you could make a difference as a teacher in a classroom for kindergartners or first graders or third graders, and, and that... You might be the only one that truly loves the kids that come into your classroom. Those kids are in your hands right now. Even though you're not in the dream, you're not functioning in the dream yet, that dream is in your hands, okay? Maybe you have a dream to be a, an entrepreneur as a business leader, and you want to, you want to kind of, you want to see communities transformed where people are moved out of poverty 
because of the programming that God has put inside of you and you want to do something significant. Maybe you want to step into the gap of injustice that we see around us and God is going to use you. Maybe you're going to lead a church and God wants to use you to to pastor and shepherd people or use your voice or your skills. It doesn't matter what your dream is. It's in your hands. Say this with me. My dream is in my hands. But it can't stay in your hands. You got to trust God with the dream. So this is what I want you to do. Lift your hands up to heaven right now. Jesus, I just ask that in the name of Jesus, you take it. Take the dream. Do what you want. No longer how hard the resistance is. No matter how big the opposition is. No matter how long it takes. God, we ask that you take our dream and that you would help us to stay true to you. That you would build the integrity of our life, that bridge of our life for the vision of the future. I pray, oh God, that you would help us even this semester to follow through on what we started off thinking we were going to do. Help us to be strong and disciplined. Help us to learn from our mistakes. Help us to pursue your best. And I pray, oh God, that, Lord, you would grow your dream. How does a God dream grow? It grows when it's in your hands. It grows when we trust you. It grows when we follow you. We trust you. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. These altars are open. We're going to worship for a little bit. If you've got to go, feel free to go.